praise him, praise him. Sing along. morning Sunset Hills Baptist how are we doing this morning on this beautiful day outside this beautiful Mother's Day it's good to have all of our mothers with us this morning kids adults teenagers if you haven't already make sure you tell your mom how much you love them and uh, if you're joining us on our live stream this morning we're so glad that you have chosen to be with us as well and if you're a guest this morning we're so glad that you are with us please uh, don't leave here without us uh, getting to say hi to you. We have a welcome desk, a desk out there. Please stop by there, and one of our people will take care of you. Man, it's good to see so many people just dressed up this morning. We got pinks, we got blues, we got blacks, we got ties, we got everything this morning, and it's good that we come to church ready to worship our Lord, uh, feeling, looking our best, and you know what? Even if you don't, God will meet you right where you're at. Worship team, continue to lead us. Worthy is the Lamb. Worthy is the Lamb. Worthy is the 
celebrate Mother's Day. Um, I know that there's many here this morning that, like me, had a lot of strong women that were on their knees praying for you, uh, whether you're a, an adult now or a child. And um, I know that, that God has seen me through a lot of tough times uh, because of a grandmother and a mom who, who prayed for me and interceded on my behalf. So this next song is just, a, I believe, a prayer that all of the mothers and moms here this morning can can agree with and so if you I think the Bible says that uh, if two or more are gathered in agreement that God is there so uh, as Sandy sings this next song uh, I just pray that you would agree with the song in your heart whether you're a mom or a dad or a child uh, it's just a great song it's a song of prayer and um, as she sings that I'm gonna go ahead and have you be seated if you will I speak the name of Jesus over you In your hurting, in your sorrow I will ask my God to move I speak the name cause it's all that I can do In desperation I'll seek heaven Pray this for you. I pray for your healing. The circumstances would change. I pray that the fear inside would flee in Jesus' name. I pray that a breakthrough would happen today. I pray miracles over your life in Jesus' Jesus' name 
favorite songs, that song of prayer. Whenever we're traveling together, I always keep my, if I'm by myself, my, my car radio stays on a different station than hers does, but when we're traveling together, uh, it stays on the one that she chooses, right? I mean, whenever that particular song comes on, I know to be quiet, and no matter how many times she's heard it, every now and then I'll sneak a peek over and I'll see tears coming down her face over that. It's a beautiful song. Happy Mother's Day to all the moms who are here. If you're watching by live stream, this is a day for you and your role is to be honored and celebrated because being a mom is no light or easy thing. Moms agree with that? Maybe it is an easy thing, I don't know. Is it? Is it? Yes or no? Amen if it's not, and uh, oh me if it is, right? Moms everywhere need to be affirmed in this important row, and they need to recognize the awesome responsibility that God has given to them and rise to the challenge. We celebrate you today in our country, and we're happy that you are joining us uh, in this time of worship. So thank you for giving us life and all the sacrifices that you have made on behalf of your children through the years. 
I'm not going to preach a traditional Mother's Day sermon because we've been in this series called Why God, and for the past couple of weeks, we have pondered why God type of questions. When I started this series, I told you that one of the most prominent why type of questions is why is there pain and suffering in the world? And just because we are followers of Jesus Christ does not exempt us from that pain and suffering that is out there. Jesus himself told us that in this world, you already know what verse I'm going to use, is that we will endure trials and tribulations. So it should come to no surprise to us that we also will have pain and suffering that will arise. His half-brother, the one who wrote the most practical book of the Bible, tells us something, and we've sort of used this this verse as a theme for the last few weeks, although I'm going to go in different ways. But he says, "'Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds.'" But when it comes, even though we know that it's coming, even though that Jesus tells us that it's coming, even though we have seen it in history, we have seen it in our own personal history, when it comes, it often comes out of nowhere, as I talked about last week. And when it comes, it gets very personal really quickly. And it's one of those things where we struggle to try to make sense out of. How can you be joyful when everything inside of you hurts so much? And so when we read this particular verse, it seems like we should say, you mean that when life throws a curve at you, we're supposed to be joyful about it. That that doesn't make sense. And the reality is that it doesn't, at least in the short term, or maybe ever do we ever, are we able to make sense out of it? Chances are that you've experienced some of these times in your own life. And maybe you yourself have questions, have had questions to God of why. Why is this happening? And uh, that thought process can lead to the thought and process of questioning God. How is it that there's a God who really loves us? Why is it that he would allow such pain and suffering to take place? And then it comes up, brings up a question quite often. And, and the very first week I started this series, I said we were going to deal with it. And we are going to deal with this question, why do bad things happen to good people? And it's just going to be a brief overview and attempt to answer this question. So would you join in your hearts in prayer as we pray and ask God to reveal to us the answers to this question, if we can find them. Would you pray with me, please? Father, we do thank you for this day, for all that you have done for us in our past and being with us when these times come up. And Father, I pray that there's someone here right now that maybe this question is in their mind of why is all of this bad happening to me? That through revelation of your word, through the spoken word, through the power and presence of the Holy Spirit, we would sense your presence and maybe answer that question. Maybe not uh, in this time, Father, but in days ahead, may they discover that there is purpose in that. We ask these things in Christ's name. Amen. There's a well-known account of a man who seemed to be a really good person 
that goes through a myriad of suffering and difficulties that were very distressing, that totally wrecks his life as the way his everyday life was about. And his name was called, you probably know, Job, right? The Bible describes this character, and if you want to turn in your Bibles to Job chapter 1, I'm just going to read about five verses here. There's a whole lot more that I encourage you sometime to take a look at and really read all through the entire book to get the, the whole story, but we're just going to deal with the first five and, and just parts of a second chapter there reference. In the land of Uz, there lived a man whose name was Job. The man was blameless and upright, and he feared God and shunned evil. He had seven sons and three daughters and owned 7,000 sheep, 3,000 camels, 500 yoke of oxen, and 500 donkeys, and he had a large number of servants. He was the greatest man among the people of the East. His sons used to hold feasts in their homes and on their birthdays, and they would invite their three sisters to eat and drink with them. When a period of feasting had run its course, Job would make arrangements for them to be purified. Early in the morning, he would sacrifice a burnt offering for each one of them, thinking, perhaps my children have sinned and cursed God in their hearts. This was Job's regular custom. Now, I want to just back up just a minute. I want us to take a look at really who Job was. The Bible says, first of all, that Job was blameless. doesn't mean that he was perfect. Certainly, no one's ever lived a perfect life except Christ. But that, uh, because, and, and because we, the Bible says also that we all have sin. But he was careful on how he chose to live his life, and no one, all of his friends, everyone that lived in the community, they could not bring any accusation of moral failure toward him. So his reputation was impeccable. He was without any moral blemish, and everyone knew that. So that's the first description we have. And then the Bible says that he was upright. He, Job lived his life according to a standard not man's standard, not the secular standard. He lived his life according to God's standard. In other words, he was on the straight and narrow. Then it says that he feared God, meaning that he had great respect for the Lord. Job did not take God's commandments lightly, and he honored God for who he was, and he obeyed God because of that. He didn't obey God because of he feared God out of a, being afraid of him. He chose not to obey that way, but he obeyed. He was obedient because of his love for God. It's another weekend when we have our grandkids with us. It's getting to be so regular. It's like they might start calling us mom and dad here pretty soon. So... Stone had built this tower of little wooden blocks, and he had it about this tall. And Finn <laughs> goes in, and he doesn't like it because I've told him something that he can't play with those because Stone had already took them out. And you know what he does? He knocks them all over. And in our house, we have what's called the crying chair. 
So Finn got sent to the crying chair. He didn't have a happy face for a long time. Finally, I went in there and said, you ready to get out of the crying chair? He looked at me with his eyes, brows furled and a big old frown on his face. And I said, no, no, not that way, buddy. You get to stay there a little longer. And his face got a little longer also. Eventually, I went back in. I said, you ready to get out? And he still was looking that way. I said, change your attitude. You know, I asked him, I said, Finn, what's the problem? He says, I'm mad at you. I said, well, that's not going to work, buddy. You want to be mad at me? That's, that's one thing. But right now, you know, I love you. I want you to love me because I'm not the one who messed up here, right? I tried to get him to understand that this is kind of the same principle here. Don't love me because you're afraid of me. Love me because you want to love me. Children need to learn that concept. Us, our children... As children, we need to learn that concept. Be obedient because of the love and respect that we have for God, not that we fear God. It says also that he turned from evil. Job rejected all that was contrary to God's holy character. To put it in our own language, he, he turned sin away. He had the strength of con and conviction to resist and reject sin. And then it says that Job was a family man. He had a wonderful family. He had health and he had wealth. And according to verse 3, he was the greatest man of the East. He was a wonderful father and he respected God and loved his children, it says in verse 5. He wasn't just an ordinary man. He was extraordinary. So by all accounts, Job was one who would be a considered a good person. But trouble comes. And you're familiar with the story of how he lost so much in such a short time. In this case, in dealing with Job, you can't take out the part that Satan was a part of the equation. He plays a major part in this, and it says that he and the Satan and God were having a conversation, and he gains permission from God to sift Job, fearing, figuring loss might cause Job to curse God. And we know the story. In the test that he has, he has great losses. First with his animals. A messenger comes and tells Job that the Sabians have attacked and, and all the oxen and donkeys have been killed, uh, taken away and all the servants have been killed and only one messenger was left. And while that messenger was there, yet another one comes. And he tells Job that the Chaldeans raided the camp and stole all of his camels. And all the servants were killed except for one who was the one who delivered the message. And then while they were both there giving the message to Job of those things that had happened, yet another one comes to tell Job that all of his sons and daughters had been celebrating in a house as was described. And a great wind comes along and knocks the house down and crushes everyone. And there was only one that survived, the one who delivered the message. It's a horrible day. You talk about someone that's having a, a really bad day. It's just incredible that so much could happen 
within such a short period of time. Later, we discovered in chapter 2 that Satan strikes Job a second time, this time causing sores to develop from his head to his toes. And yet, through all of this, he endures the suffering. You know how? Because he's clinging to God. As the life storm continued, friends start showing up. And they start saying, what did you do so wrong? And so the story just goes on and on. But in the end, we find that Job trusted God. And God remained faithful to him. It's a great example of someone who experienced a good deal of of tragedy in his life, but was still faithful to God. An example of bad things happening to a good person. The Bible was filled with those types of people. Noah, Joseph's brothers, Jacob's sons, Ruth's husband, a man who faced demon possession in the New Testament, a little girl who dies of illness, a woman who's crippled for 18 years and Jesus speaks into her life. Then there's Stephen who's stoned to death. And then even the very disciples that Jesus had spent so much time with, they too endured pain and suffering. All good people that bad things happened to. But of course, the ultimate example of one who was well beyond good, who was perfect and never sinned, someone who endured the cruelest forms of pain and suffering, And that would be Jesus Christ. Even he, in his most desperate time of hurt, asked the question, Why hast thou forsaken me? Why? God does allow pain and suffering to happen to good people. And let me just briefly share a few reasons why. First, and I'm not going to go into a lot of detail of explanation. I think they're self-explanatory. First, though, we've rebelled against God, Satan and humans alike. We've chosen to rebel against God. We live in a fallen world. Sin is the reason. And we are caught in a war zone between what's good and what's bad. And so pain and suffering happens oftentimes because of our own sin. We have done something wrong, and sometimes our own sin can cause us to suffer. Certainly not all the time. Bad things can also happen because someone else has done something wrong. Remember how God told Jonah to go to Nineveh, and what does he do? He boards a ship, and he goes in the opposite direction. The storm comes up, and all of a sudden, those, uh, those sailors are caught in this bad storm. It was, it was, jo- it was uh, Jonah's sin, his actions, that affected them. And then here's another reason, simply that Satan is on the attack. Just like we saw it with Job, we know the, the, how the Bible describes Satan to be a roaring lion. He's searching who he can to find to destroy. And if you're doing anything positive for God, Satan's going to be on the attack for your life. Another reason that why God allows pain and suffering is best described as this. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, there are times that we're just not privy 
to the plans and the purposes of God at least not in this lifetime maybe at some point in time maybe even in the next lifetime it will become clear but there are times and maybe more times than not is I just simply don't know why these things are happening but my job is to trust God that eventually I'll figure it out here's another reason to grow as people we see in times of tests and trials that God becomes very real in our times of struggles he, he makes himself known to us if we're willing to pay attention. So he uses circumstances, and quite often, and I think most of you will agree if you've been through this, quite often we will see that we become much closer to God when we are experiencing difficulties. He just seems to be more real to us. So he uses this to refine us, to make us more like Christ. A fourth or another way that uh, he uses pain and suffering is to reveal himself. And that's akin to the last reason I gave you, that, that he can show up and you can see what he does in your life, that he's going to be faithful. And there's another reason, to come alongside of others to help them in their troubles. When we face troubles and trials, uh, other people are watching us and they're seeing how we're doing with this. And the Bible tells us that uh, he comforts us in our times of troubles, not just for you to hold on to and say, hey, this is all about me, but he comforts us for a reason, so that we can comfort others. When we're troubled, when they're troubled, we will be able to give them the same comfort that he's given to us. That's found in 2 Corinthians 1.4. There are many reasons as to why God uses allows bad things to happen he can use your circumstance to his glory and here's one more to bring about good a most recent example of this in our own beloved church family was how God used the tragic loss of Sarah Ivy to give life to others through organ don donation God made something good out of something that was very hard for the Ivy family and for our church family. And just like Joseph in the Old Testament, when it was written that he said, you intended to harm me, but God intended for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. There are all sorts of stories around us of how God uses hard circumstances to bring good. I want to introduce you to one of the finest men, young men that you will ever meet. He has a very personal story about God's faithfulness and how he's been able to take something very tragic, events that have happened in his life, and bring good out of it. His name is Tate Pearson. Tate, come up here with me for a minute. Would somebody bring me a chair or a stool so I can be on the same eye level? With... <laughs> hey, buddy. Good morning. Morning. Tate recently graduated from Belmont University where he earned a basketball scholarship. Long before this, Tate, when he was on my eye level, was in fourth grade in Mrs. Durham's fourth grade class. And for many years, Lynn taught with uh, Tate's mom, Kathy 
Pearson, who's over here, and his sister is here, and his girlfriend is here. Uh, she was in that class, and there's much I can say about Tate, but I want him to share his own story of how God can use tragedy and bring about good. Would you welcome Tate Pearson this morning? Good morning. You have to forgive me. When I first met them, I was in third grade. So it is still Mr. Durham and Miss Durham. So that's who they are when I talk about them. Miss um, Durham taught me in fourth grade. She could tell you I was a pretty good student, but I was really talkative. She sent me out of the classroom countless times. I still love her. Uh, she had my best interest in mind, and I still do talk a lot. Um, but so. I'm honored to be here with you guys today. Like he said, I've got a story that's not too different from everybody else's story, something that everybody will go through. I went through it at an early age, uh, experienced a lot of loss, and the best way that I can tell my story is in three different dates. Um, so first, I grew up in a Christian household in Brentwood, went to Brentwood Academy. I could tell you, uh, I could flip in my Bible to where books were, I could tell you how many books in the Bible, different facts. Um, I really knew the religion. I knew the religion of Christianity pretty well. Um, grew up in the church, Christian school, uh, Christian family, did all that. Um, my first experience of loss was uh, I was in eighth grade, and I went over to a buddy's house. His name was Mickey Martin, and um, it was just after a football game, Friday night. We hung out the next morning. His brother called him from the house and said, hey, our dad's not doing very well. I need you guys to wake up and come with me. So what had happened was Mickey's dad, a little little while earlier, was riding a motorcycle, exiting the interstate. He slipped, and his leg was amputated from the knee down from the street sign. And uh, so he'd been in the hospital for a while, and we knew this. Um, but he, we spent the night. He was going through physical therapy. They rushed him through physical therapy too quick, and a blood clot formed. Uh, and went to his heart. And so I'm with Mickey and his brother in a little sports car. They're in the front seats. I'm in the back. And his mom calls him and says, you know, I want you to talk to your dad. It's not, it's not looking too well, not looking too good. And so basically I heard Mickey's dad's last words to Mickey in the car that day. We got to the hospital. Um, and the best way I can describe it is I was an outsider. Uh, I was kind of up against the wall. His family was there mourning. Obviously, it affected me because I loved Mickey. This kid smiled all the time, happiest kid ever, and he's crying over there in the corner. I don't really know what to do about it. Um, so I called my mom, said, Mom, come pick me up. She came, um, and I remember she walked in. Mickey comes up to me before I leave and says, Hey, man, can I come home with you? I don't want to go home. Home is not home right now. And of course, my answer was yes, you can come stay with us. Uh, he ended up staying with us for eight weeks. It's a long time. Finally, my dad told Mickey, he said, son, look, you've, you've got to go home. Um, you've got to face this. You've got to be with your family. And so after that, Mickey and I had a really close relationship. When you go through something like that with somebody, you just, you can't, uh, you can't form that relationship any other way. So to this day, I call Mickey a brother. That didn't really change my life though. That was um, an experience that yes, it hurt, but it didn't hurt me directly, right? I, I like to think that I had a pretty amazing life growing up. I had a loving family. Um, 
I loved basketball, played a lot of basketball, found some success in basketball, good grades, um, stuff like that. And so I worked so hard to keep my life perfect, to guard everything that I had. Um, I was truly blessed growing up, still am, but so that didn't affect me, right? Mickey's dad, losing him, didn't really affect me. The next um, date in my story, so the second day, is May 4th, 2014. So I was a freshman in high school. Um, still, was, still knew the religion, not necessarily the relationship of Christianity. And um, I, at our house, I was living at home. I was a freshman in high school. My sister was a freshman in college, so she was at school. Um, in my house, we don't close bedroom doors. That's just something we don't do. I don't know if we're weird um, or if that's pretty normal. So when we go to bed, we crack our doors. So I remember it was really early in the morning. I heard a knock on my door and I knew something instantly was wrong because doors are never closed. Um, and the door opens and I see the hall light was on. So there's a silhouette of a person who is really massive and it's my grandfather, he's 6'8". So I knew right then and there who it was. Um, wasn't hard to miss him. But he had told me, Tate, your dad's had a heart attack and your mom's in the hospital right now and I want you uh, to come with me. So I can tell you exactly what I put on, whatever, uh, I just grabbed the first sweatshirt I had, it was a Bruin Academy track sweatshirt, put it on as quickly as possible and got in the car with my grandfather. So um, we drove from Brentwood to Williamson Medical and I just remember that car ride feeling like an eternity. It was, you know, it couldn't have been longer than 15 minutes, 20 minutes, no traffic. It was probably 3.30 in the morning. Um, and I just remember thinking, this life that's been so perfect, that I've worked so hard to protect, you know, I don't, I don't want anything to happen to this life, to my life. Um, so we get to the hospital, we park, and my grandfather, this, this memory is burned into my mind, but my grandfather said, hey, Tate, let's pray before we go in. And in that moment, I just remember thinking, what is that gonna do? He's already had a heart attack, I, I don't wanna do that. We need to get in there, make sure everything's okay. Let's, let's go, let's go, I don't have time for this. Um, and it hurts me to say that, but that's just where I was. And so we prayed before we went in and then we started walking in and we walk in the doors and you know, obviously 3.30 in the morning, there's nobody in the hospital. Um, and so we walk in and I remember all the doctors and nurses are looking at me and it kind of made me mad, it ticked me off. I was like, what? quit looking at me, let me, you know, I wanna protect this life, I wanna figure out what's going on with my dad. So they direct us to the room and uh, we open the door and sure enough, there my dad was on the table, he had had an aortic dissection that night and died that morning. And I just, you know, <laughs> this life that I had, that I protected, that was so perfect, had fallen apart. I'd experienced loss, but I'd never experienced loss in my own life like this. Um, and I know I'm not the only one who's experienced something like this. I don't want to stand up here and say that, but it rocked my world. It rocked my world. Um, my sweet grandmother, when I opened the door, she tried to protect me from seeing my dad on the table. And obviously she's probably this tall and I just kind of got to see right over her. Um, but there my dad was and um, 
something that's amazing and, and talks about the character of the people that lead your church was Miss Durham was the first person my mom called. They talked together. They had a really close relationship, and she was the first person to the hospital before I had even gotten there. Um, so tells a lot about their family. Keeps going. You know, my life, obviously, that first week or two after loss is just a flash. I mean, you don't... I can't even tell you what happened. I remember... Um, the morning, you know, we're in the hospital, leave at about 3.30, Haley comes home, one of her roommates drives her home. The first person that texts me is Mickey. We had this bond, right? I went through it with his dad. Um, he texted me and just said, is it true? And I said, yes, and he was one of the first people to the house. And he was laying in bed with my mom and sister comforting them while I was downstairs with my family handling some stuff that no 15-year-old kid should have to handle, death certificate stuff, life insurance stuff all that fun stuff. Um, so, you know, I'm a strong believer that we all have a God-shaped hole in, our, in ourselves, in our souls. And after that happened, that, that hole really blew up for me. And these things that had been temporary band-aids of basketball, of popularity, of grades, of friends, whatever it might be, was covering that for me. And then when I lost my dad, it all fell through. The weeks after that, um, for six weeks, I tried everything to fill that hole. I'm not saying I tried anything um, crazy bad, uh, but <laughs> I did, you know, popularity, like I said, basketball, sports, all that stuff, and it wasn't enough. Week after week, my cousin, my older cousin, he texted me. He'd been going to this youth group and said, hey, Tate, I want you to come with me to this youth group. Um, I think you'll get a lot out of it. And Week after week, he was, no, man, I'm busy, or, hey, I'm not going to come this week. I'll go next week. Again, same thing. Hey, I want you to come with me to this youth group. No, man, I'm busy. Next time. Again and again. And finally, week six, um, I decided I'd go with him. And that night, they were preaching on, and that's a sermon in and of, of itself right there, is always pursue people, no matter how many times they reject you, no matter how many times you think they're going to keep turning away and going away. Always, always pursue people because um, I'm very thankful he did that in my life. So that night, the, the pastor was preaching on the difference between relationship and religion. And my whole life, I grew up with the religion. I grew up with the rules that don't do this, don't do that. And that night, I, I learned that there's a relationship that's available uh, through Jesus and through our faith, and it's with a God, with a Father that is perfect. I start all my prayers now with Heavenly Father because that's what he is for me now, and it took losing my dad. It took me being up against the wall to realize um, that that's what I needed, and that's what I longed for in my life, and so no matter how great your dad is, how perfect he is, you might think he is, um, or how absent he is, God is, God is all that you could ever need, and um, so I found that, found that relationship that night. Mr. Durham invited me over to their house, and I remember spinning a wood pen uh, in their, in their uh, studio, garage, wherever it was, and he, he told me, Tate, write down all your emotions, write down everything you're feeling, and I still have that journal. That was the best advice anyone had ever given to me was to write down what I was feeling. So anyway, that was the second date. I went through that, and I'd say, man, that relationship that I had with God was awesome from then on out. And the last date was about a year and a month later in July. My mom texts me and my sister and says, hey, 
family meeting in the kitchen. And, you know, that's never a good sign. Um, or maybe it is a good sign for you guys. It wasn't for our family. And uh, she said, family meeting in the kitchen. And so I rush home from wherever I was. And I walk in, and my sister's crying. And uh, so I knew something bad had happened. And my mom says, Tate, your, your friend, your brother, Mickey, he was driving home from football practice. And he fell asleep and drove off the road and was killed instantly. And I just remember um, hitting the ground in the kitchen and just thinking, gosh, something else? Um, you know, questions for God. This is a, this is a great um, sermon series, but questions for God. God, was my suffering not enough? I mean, I've been through this. I realized where I was wrong. You backed me up against the wall, and now I'll have a relationship with you and still more. And um, so I'm laying there on the kitchen floor and, you know, the same place where I was signing death certificates for my dad. And I just remember um, hearing this voice as clear as day. And it just said, get up. It's all a part of my plan. And, you know, God's plan is, is never going to be easy. And for, for my life, um, you know, I, I got up and I went to um, the hospital where, where all my friends were with Mickey's family and I got to hug on them and love on them. And, you know, I don't know what's got, what God's plan is for my life. I don't know why I went through all that I had to go through. I can tell you one thing is, is I can stand here on the other side and just say I'm so thankful that I went through it because of the lessons that I've learned and, and my, my plan is anytime anyone asks me to talk about my story, I always will because I never want my dad and Mickey's death to be in vain. And I want um, people to learn as much as they can from my story as I did. Um, and so maybe, maybe today this is the reason why, this is the plan that God was talking about was for me to get up here. There might be one person in the crowd who is living the religion or might not even know the religion um, and is missing out on that relationship. And I can, I can tell you personally that I would go through all of that all over again if one person's life is changed and, and if you've realized that that relationship is there for you. Um, I'm, I'm sure Mr. Durham's the same way um, just because of everything that I've learned going through it, um, it. It's worth it. And that's how I describe my story. And I don't, I don't want to say that I'm the only person who's gone through anything um, bad in their lives. I went through a lot at an early age. I learned a lot. Um, and so if, if, if anybody's got any takeaways from today, it's all worth it. So thank you. I love the phrase he used, get up. It's hard sometimes to put those next words after it. It's all part of God's plan. When bad things happen, just a few tips and then we'll finish up. When you're experiencing trials and tests, keep your trust in God. 
Don't give up on him. Trust him that is going to carry you through. Turn to prayer. Hard time to pray, wasn't it? Don't be afraid to let God know that you're going through this and ask him for strength and for guidance. Examine yourself. See if maybe there's something that's going on in your life that's causing the trouble and confess that sin to God. Grow through it. As you go through it, grow through it. Allow God to teach you and develop character in your life. Don't just experience the bad thing. Learn from it and grow, certainly. Tate has grown through those tragedies. Look to the promise of heaven, the promises of God. Remember that God's promised you eternity if you're one of his children. One of these days, all of the hurt, the sadness, the pain and suffering is gone. Grow closer to God. Depend on Him. Allow your trust in Him to be deepened. And grow closer to others. As believers, we're part of the body of Christ, and we're all in this thing together, and we should be there to support each other and build each other up. Right, have the right attitude. Because there are others who are watching you as a believer. And they're seeing if your faith is real. If it's just religion or if it's relationship. And then remember this. Good may come out of your present condition. Certainly that's what happened when Jesus... He said to us, these things I've spoken to you so that in me you may have peace. In the world you have tribulation, but take courage. I have overcome the world. Jesus, no doubt, through his suffering, the greatest suffering that's ever been known, the only one that could ever do all the suffering on our behalf by taking on our sins, brings hope and restoration to people for years and years to come, to you and to me. Would you pray with me, please? And Father, I thank you for Tate's story. It's a story that is unique to him and to his family. Father, it's not unique to many others, though, because many of us, or maybe all of us, have unique stories of our own pain and suffering, our own trials and tribulations. Thank you, Father, for my own personal ones. While I did never wish to go through the ones that I've been through, I thank you for them. I have seen you work in my life in a very real way. And that's a sweet place to be when I get out of the way and allow you to speak into my life. Father, maybe there's someone here today 
that they're just struggling with this time that they have. Or maybe they're watching someone else go through this and they have questions as they see their loved ones struggling so much. Maybe something in what Tate has shared, what your word shares, story of Job, or maybe they've watched it in our church family. May we ultimately realize that you do have purpose in our pain and suffering. Help us to try to see it. Pray if there's one here that has never had, has never started that personal relationship with Christ, that today they would choose Jesus as Savior and Lord to, to make worthwhile the pain and suffering that he went through to give his life so that their sin, my sins, would be forgiven. And I would be able to enter into that relationship. Or they would be able to enter in that relationship with you. May today they choose Christ. Father, if there's someone here that already a believer and they're just struggling... May they find some solace in you as they come before you. As we have this time of response, this time of invitation, Father, may they feel welcome to come to this altar, to lift it up to you, to speak with me, to pray with them, bring it before you so that you can speak into their lives. May we be obedient during this time. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Please stand as we sing and respond. They say sometimes you win some, sometimes you lose some. And right now, right now I'm losing. Stood on this stage night after night, reminding the broken it'll be alright. But right now, right now, I just can't. It's easy to sing when there's nothing to bring me down. Leave mountains unmovable 
turns gives us and brings us to the point that we can say it is well with my soul thank you for that opening up the door so we can have that relationship that we can can be at that point in our life may we live it so admirably that other people can see how you our strength, our hope, and our comfort, even when bad things happen. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. May be seated, please. Tate, thank you so much. I called him on Thursday when all of this sermon was developing, and I said, hey, would you come and share and it being Mother's Day I don't know if he called his mom to make sure that it was all right but what but he came and shared would you express your appreciation to Tate and for his family we love this family most of them there's one that we don't care for is uh, it's your uncle who plays or cousin it's your cousin his cousin is Knox Dawson who plays for the Buffalo Bills so the next time you see Knox intercepting a pass or making a tackle you can just blame his family for that all right I have a couple of announcements I need to share with you before we dismiss I'm looking for Kelly 
There he is. You have any announcements you're going to do? I do not. No. You don't? Really? All right. Uh, please follow along with me just for a moment. There will be a special called business meeting next Sunday. following. That's May 15th. That's following the worship service. It will be a very brief meeting, and the purpose of this meeting will be to present to you, our church, uh, the recommendation to affirm and ordain Mike Harrelson to the gospel ministry. So in accordance with our Constitution bylaws, I'm to announce one service ahead of time, the time and the purpose of any special called meetings. So we will be doing that next, um, next Sunday. And in regards to that, I invite all ordained men to form and participate in the ordination council that will take place to question Mike on Wednesday evening, May 22nd at uh, 5 p.m. And I'm sorry, Sunday evening, May 22nd at 5 p.m. Okay, that will happen at 5 o'clock, two weeks from today, the ordination council that will take place. All right? And speaking of Constitution and bylaws, I want to inform you also of a second uh, special called meeting. This will take place on Sunday evening on May 22nd at 6 p.m. The purpose of this meeting will be to present to the church an updated version of the Constitution and bylaws. It has been since 1951 that our Constitution and bylaws have been updated. So it has been past time for us to do this, and a committee made up of our deacon from our deacon body has been wor working fervently for about the last year to bring before you an updated uh, Constitution and bylaws. We will present this to the church to approve at this meeting. We will be emailing out the proposed new Constitution and bylaws to all those whom we have email addresses on file. We'll be doing that this within the next two weeks. Also, hard copies of the proposed Constitution and bylaws will be available here in the service next Sunday. So let me recap all this so that you get it right, because somebody would say, well, weren't we supposed to have a meeting about this or that? And just quickly... Special called meeting next Sunday. It'll be a brief meeting, a recommendation to uh, ordain Mike Harrelson to the gospel ministry. We will not be ordaining him though on that Sunday. It's just affirming and approving that. The ordination will take place um, later in the month. And then a special called uh, business meeting on uh, May 22nd. That's two weeks from this evening at 6 p.m to uh, submit our proposed Constitution by law changes. Okay, we're clear on that? The Ordination Council will be meeting on that very same day at 5 o'clock for uh, questioning of uh, Pastor Mike. Okay? Thank you again for being here on this Mother's Day. Um, you, you said you didn't have anything. I didn't, but now I do. You now you do. Well, come take care of it. If you're like me and that's clear as mud, make sure to stay uh, tuned in with Realm, and we'll, uh, we'll make sure to be reminding you. Uh, Rick reminded me, however, uh, that men's breakfast is going to be happening this coming Saturday. So, uh, guys, if you're just looking for some great fellowship and some really good food, um, it happens at 759, and that'll be here on Saturday morning. Stand with me as we close in prayer.
God, thank you for today. Thank you, God, that even those moments, God, that we don't understand why the things that are happening are, that, God, you have a purpose and you have a plan for our life, that, God, when we cling to you and we step into, um, God, just the obedience that you've called us to trust you, that, God, we know that all good things happen for those who love the Lord. God, thank you for those testimonies this morning, and God, thank you that you're still working on our testimony and our story. And God, we uh, look forward to the day of completion when we can stand before you and hear you say, good and well done, my faithful servants. Until that day, we'll work hard all you've called us to do. In your son Jesus' name we pray, amen. Have a great week, everybody. Hi, good morning, this is Kelly. I wanna take a moment to personally thank you for joining us for today's live stream. I hope today's message was encouraging and inspiring for you. You know what? We would love to hear from you. If you're here today and you made a decision for Christ, or maybe you just have a simple prayer request, we would love to know about that. You can text the word prayer to 615-776-1807. One of her pastors will be back in touch with you. Hey, if you're in the neighborhood, we'd love to see you in person. You can join us for life groups at 9 a.m. or blended worship at 10 a.m. Let me say this, from your youngest family member to your family member that has the most years of life experience, we have a place for you. You know, I believe that we're living in unprecedented times. People all around us are looking for sources of hope. And you and I, we both know where that hope is found. We have a God who loves us and he wants to meet us right where we are. But you know what? He loves us too much to keep us there. So come and join us, whether online or in person. We would love to shake your hand, give you a smile, and do life with you here at Sunset Hills. Have a great week, everybody.